Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the Donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Well, if you're still, you're still getting your coffee, then uh, go ahead and uh, grab it and feel free to make your way back to your seats. And if you've not met uh, Josh, this is Josh. He is uh, one of our associate pastors at Portico, and he leads our he leads our growth groups, and uh, he's been joining with us as we've been tag-teaming the messages during this series. He keeps introducing me as the associate pastor. I welcome that pay <laughs> upgrade. Thank you. <laughs> and associate pastor. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, yes, as Pastor Rick mentioned, my name is Josh. I'm, I actually live here in Milton, which is really cool. Uh, love it on a day like today yeah. when it's snowing. <laughs> now, uh, as you know, we have been in a series here called Searching for Jesus, and today we're going to be talking about another I am statement that Jesus made. Now to help us kind of get into the frame of mind of what we're going to be talking about today, uh, in your bulletins and here on the uh, screen, you're going to see a little bit of a puzzle that we'd like to kick things off with. So if you don't have a bulletin, make sure you get one. Out. Yeah. <laughs> but you can see the maze here. Now we're going to give you one minute to try and figure this out. And we're going to time it. The winner gets a free scholarship to MCS next year. So that's (laughs) (laughs) The Mike Land Slingerland (laughs) annual scholarship. (laughs) (laughs) All right. right, On your mark. Oh, wait. You got a timer? I got a timer. You you figure that one out. So (laughs) you start with the people. You're trying to get to heaven (laughs) in this comical way. You're trying to get these two people to heaven. You got 60 seconds. Go. Go. And as soon as you've got it, you can uh, raise your hand. Did she really get it? You got it? She thinks she has it in 12 seconds. Oh, we need to see it on the pen. 12 seconds. (laughs) Oh, you did? So we need you to show us. We're still giving you some time. We're still giving you 30 seconds. Davey, you think you got it? You You got to write it in. First person to have it written down on a piece of paper. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, I can do it mentally, too. <laughs> <laughs> 15 seconds. He fig- there, there is You've really got it? <laughs> On paper? All right. We will check Mike's paper. I think he just doesn't want to give out that Ellen, uh, make sure that he's not cheating <laughs> on us there. <laughs> Scholarship. All right. Reveal it to us. All right. Anybody's answer look like that? <laughs> Anybody? Mm, I you don't may have cheated. So. He did. He did. Close the message. Horse jumping. He just. Ju- we gave this to our staff last Friday. Nobody got it. So uh, <laughs> if, you, if you got it, welcome. Or you, we we just give you full credit, and you're much more intelligent than many of our staff. <laughs> so w- contrary to what Mike is saying, we <laughs> believe there is only one way, but we will verify that at the end. <laughs> now, for the sake of our sermon illustration, let's assume that there's only one way, and we'll believe that that's the case. Now, we think that there is one way for these people here to get to heaven. Now, in everyday life, we may feel uh, 
contrary to that notion, that there is more than one way to do something. So for example, toilet paper. How many of you are over and how many of you are under? Who are over people, over rolls? Okay, and how many of you are unders? There was a few oh, spousal disagreements okay. there. It's going to be a difficult. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who now this is... Who really doesn't care? <laughs> <laughs> Who's just thankful for toilet paper? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> as long as it's there. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, when it comes to pizza, this was an interesting one we discovered. How many of you eat the crust first? Anybody eat the crust first? <laughs> yeah, I was kind of surprised. Well, how many of you uh, eat the crust at some point? You will finish your entire slice. And how many <laughs> of you will not eat a crust? Okay, a few of you. Very good. Okay, now when it comes to remedies, you know, there's uh, the medicinal way, there's the naturopath way. Uh, some people will use natural oils and things like that. Uh, one of the staff in our church, Sue Ann, swears by natural stuff like this. She's got peppermints and all this stuff. She loves it. Now, how many of you would say you are, you know, essential oils, things like that? That's your remedy. Okay, a few of you. Cool. Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, how many of you would say Tylenol your is your go-to? <laughs> Tylenol. Who here is an Advil person? That's me. Yeah, okay. Who alternates? You know, those are two different drugs. You can alternate, right? Yeah, you can keep the nice... Don't mind taking both, <laughs> you know, if there's an excuse. I'm not a doctor. Just <laughs> <laughs> so even in... So I've even re realized and discovered that for Ruby and I, Ruby is my wife, she's there at the back of the room, uh, we do all sorts of things differently. And I've quickly realized that it's not... Uh, I, I think whoever starts the process, if Ruby, for example, is the one who starts cooking, we will do it her way because <laughs> we get into the craziest arguments about, no, you should cook it this way or do it that way. I, I remember we redid That's our kitchen. Battle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you're never going to win that one. We redid our kitchen, and we had 134 boxes of Ikea cabinets laying on our floor, and we were trying to figure out a way to sort through them all. And obviously, there's more than one way to do something. And so if you don't take care of you know, how you handle yourself, you can quickly get into arguments, as Pastor Rick said. And there's uh, any number of ways that we think we can do something. Now, when it comes to most things in life, we would like to say that there is more than one way to do something. Now, in our Searching for Jesus series, though, he makes a statement that would say otherwise, that there is only one way uh, to think of, of salvation and to think of himself. I and mean, that's what we're going to be talking about today. He actually makes a very exclusive statement. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, or if you have a smartphone device, you can uh, open up the Portico app and look up the sermon notes for this Sunday, or it's in your bulletin. You'll see the notes there as well, and you can follow along. And we're going to be talking about uh, uh, the next I Am statement that falls in the chronology of what Jesus uh, said throughout his ministry. And our key passage is found in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. This is John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, and I'll read it here for you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going, Thomas said to him. Lord, uh, sorry, you, you know the, where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, if we, do, uh, we don't know where you are going, so can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So here we see that Jesus makes a very exclusive I am statement that says, 
I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, uh, Pastor Rick, talk to us a little bit about the context uh, of, of this statement here. Sure. I made some pretty bold declarations last Sunday before the Super Bowl about the Patriots. And, I, you know, during the first half of, of the game, it was not going very well for me. <laughs> but <laughs> I was starting to give up hope. If you weren't watching the football game, it was 28-3 to three at one point. And it didn't look like things were going to turn around. I kind of got a little quiet and didn't, didn't, let in, didn't say too much. was still watching the game. I didn't turn around. I didn't stomp on my jersey or anything like that. But by the end of the game, if you, if you didn't watch, they had come back. They had tied it with a couple of scores in the last few minutes. And then they won, it, they won in overtime. And they came back to Boston. And they had this parade. And it, the whole, all around the team, there was this feeling of, oh, my goodness, we did this. We won again. The whole league was against us. Brady had been... Um, suspended for the first four games of the year, and they're upset at the commissioner. And there, there's this feeling of absolute celebration. And why am I telling you about this when we're talking about the context of this story? Do tell us, Pastor <laughs> <Rick>. <laughs> Well, because He's I just really, looking for really a reason to talk about Tom Brady. It's I really crush, love football. No, because <laughs> if when we get the context of this story, Lazarus has just come back from the dead. This is mere days after Lazarus has been risen by Jesus, and as if you were with us last week, we learned this was the fourth miracle that confirmed that he was the Messiah. So everybody is now convinced that Jesus is the Messiah. Not everybody. Everybody who is looking for a reason could mm-hmm. be convinced that Jesus was Messiah. And then he comes back into Jerusalem, and they throw a parade, and every, there's this big crowd who is cheering and saying, this is unbelievable. You brought a guy back from the dead. Now, the patriots were dead, and they came back from the dead at 28 to 3. And, <laughs> and there's this same kind of, there's this, there's this parallel. If, you, if you've been following along what's been happening this week, the same kind of unbelievable emotion and celebration and, wow, I can't believe that just, this just happen. That's the kind of emotion that is surrounding the disciples and Jesus as they get into the upper room. It, it isn't this somber moment. When, when we do communion, we often will have soft music playing and we'll have a teaching time. There was a party going on. They just said, Jesus, you did, like, you're now confirming that you were Messiah and we were actually starting to believe. People are starting to get it. They just threw a parade for you on your way into town. And at the same time, there's this split emotion. And just as many people, actually probably more people, hate the Patriots and can't stand them and say that they're <laughs> cheaters and they're arrogant, the same amount of people were angry and upset with Jesus. And they were saying, we have to kill this guy. We, they're, they're just getting this plot together to start, try and stop the parade and stop what's happening. And he's leading people astray. So there's excitement and there's anger. And so Jesus says, we got to get into an upper room so we can have privacy because if we're out in the town, people are going to be shouting at us or they're going to be trying to get around us and hear us teach. So, so we need to get away from everybody. And then he sits down in the midst of all that and he washes their feet to try and prove it, and which was a customary thing for a servant to do. And he sh- he's showing them, I've been your teacher, but really I'm your servant. And he's putting them himself in a lowly place he looks at Peter and he says, Peter, as much as you think you love me right now, you're actually going to deny me and say that you don't even know me, you don't even believe in me. And if we read through the scripture, he ends up getting angry at other people and swearing around saying, I have no idea who this, who this Jesus was. I've never seen him. And Peter's outraged by this. He said, didn't you just see the parade we threw for you? Didn't you, didn't you see what's happening? There's no way that that's going to be me. And he looks, at, he looks at Judas, who's been with him for the last three years, and he's given, he's given Judas the same love and the same kind of attention that he's given to Peter and James and Mark or, and, and, and John. And he knows how much that J- Jesus knows how much he's loved Judas. 
and now he knows that Judas is about to sell him off for 30 pieces of silver, which it was about two months' salary, so depending, think about what you would make in a couple of months. That's how much Judas was receiving for selling off Jesus. And then he starts to tell the rest of his friends the intimate details of the gospel. He, he, he knows it's his last night as a free man on earth, and he's working overtime to make sure that the disciples get it, that they understand 100% what it means to commit to a belief in Jesus as the Messiah. This is a heightened emotion. There's extreme things going on in terms of celebration, in terms of anger, in terms of betrayal, in terms of denial. This is a passion-filled room right now. Yeah. And now think about when Jesus says something like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I, I think we can even cringe or we'll, even ourselves, we will have different uh, responses and, and emotional, uh, or an emotional response to that kind of statement. Now, think about it even in our Canadian culture. Uh, in, can, in Canadian immigration, uh, when people come into the country, uh, I remember learning it in elementary school as, as a mosaic. Mm -hmm. When people come here, we like to be inclusive, uh, inclusive of different cultures. It's more like a mosaic, or like a quilt, that everyone gets to uh, keep their identity and celebrate uh, who they are. Now, when it comes to us, when we receive people like that, when we uh, interact with people of different cultures, different ethnicities, we want to be the one that makes the accommodation for them rather than other people accommodating us. We want to be able to make a way for them and make them feel comfortable. A and we do that even in everyday life, not even when it comes to different cultures. You know, if, if someone is coming down the street or down the sidewalk as you, Chances are you're not just going to keep walking. One of you will move over to the other side. We'd like Canadians to accommodate. Will. Well, Canadians, <laughs> that's right. You go to other yes. places and it's like, wham, get out of my <laughs> exactly. way. Exactly. <laughs> now, and when you look at it in our laws uh, as, a, as a land, even our laws are taking that shape where we want to try and accommodate uh, the different points of view and the things that we hold true to. And it gets very complicated when you have so many more different belief systems and ideologies that come into play. Uh, even recently in the news, there's been talk about changing the national anthem. Mm -hmm. So there's the line, in all our sons command, uh, there's talk that while that's very gender specific, we need to make it in all of us command. And so there are people who say, yep, it's good to be inclusive. Others people say, well, no, this is tradition and this is part of our identity. And, uh, you know, it's not meant to be just for men. It's, it's a, a general mankind type of statement. Whereas when you look at U.S. immigration, or what exists of it to this day, <laughs> I'm not really sure where that's going. But in U.S. immigration, when people come in, it's not a mosaic. Uh, they call it a melting pot. They say, you become what we are. You can either take it or leave it. And it's interesting that in Jewish culture, for the Hebrews, this was very much the same approach that they took uh, to their culture. And not only their culture, but their religious practice. Their way of life, they said, this is who we are. This is how we live out our faith. This is how we live out our relationship with God. And so you need to abide by the way that we do this. And if you don't want it, that's fine. Then you're not part of our faith. You're not part of our tradition. And imagine, I mean, this is, you know, they've been practicing this way of life, this way of, of a relationship with God for thousands of years. Now, here comes uh, a man, a carpenter, from places that people think, well, no, nothing good can come from Nazareth, who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. I mean, imagine the kind of response, the vitriol that would have risen up among the people who said, who are you? Like, how dare you make such an audacious claim? to say that you are the only way to the Father. 
You know, Moses gave us the laws. Moses showed us the way to the Father. How are you able to do that I- instead of us? So when we look at this, this is kind of like setting up the context of, of what we've been talking about here, why Jesus would say the statement. So Pastor Rick talked to us now, but why would he say that, you know, this very, you know, very splitting statement, a very uh, strong um, a statement that would say, yeah, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if you were with us back in the fall, uh, in one of our series, we talked about how in the Jewish tabernacle, so that was the place of worship that they established when they were out in the wilderness. And Zara, why don't you just throw up the picture of that? Joe has uh, given us a picture. This is from one of his tours at uh, First Century Foundations, and this is a replica of the tabernacle that uh, when, when Israel was out in the wilderness, this is how they would, this is how they would worship. And they named this first entrance gate the way. And certain people could come in here and, and, and come in. But if you, were, if, you're coming to, if you were coming to God to give worship and to give sacrifices, you could come in past the way. And then when they got here where the sacrifices were made, this is the truth that it was named. That, that's the name of uh, passing through this gate. And then if you were going in to the Holy of Holies where only the high priest go and would go once a year and offer the sacrifice, that was the life. So they understood to come to God... To be in his presence, you had to pass by the way, the truth, and the life. And they had known this, like, like Joshua said, for thousands of years they had, been, they had been celebrating this. So then Jesus says a very exclusive thing. Do you want to get close to God? That's, you've known the way, the truth, and the life to look like that? Time out. I am the way <laughs> and the truth and the life. Nobody gets to the Father except if they come me. So he's talking to them in concepts, not only that the words mean something, we say, well, Jesus is the pathway, and he's the truth, and he gives life. Those words mean something as well. We recognize that. But he was also teaching them in context wha- what they knew of worship. So it was culturally comfortable and customary, so, or, or what had been culturally comfortable and culturally customary for them in terms of their worship. Jesus was saying, do you want to follow me? You can't do that anymore. You can't do what you've always done because to follow me means to n- not just do that, but to look at me as the way, the truth, and the life. Now, he wasn't writing off Jewish culture. He makes, a very, uh, he makes it very clear. He didn't come to do away with the law. He was fulfilling the law. Mm-hmm. So it, they weren't no longer going to go and offer sacrifices. There was going to be a different kind of sacrifice. It was going to be worship. It was going to be their heart to him. But he was being very clear that he was inserting himself at the head of that system. And it angered people in that, in that culture, and it still angers us today, actually. Uh, I'm gonna, I want to read for you verses 10 through 12 in John chapter 1. It says that he was in the world, and the world was made through him, but the world did not recognize him. And a lot of us still struggle with that, just like people in their world did. He came to that which was his own. He came to his people, but his own did not receive him. Now, here's the promise. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave, he gave the right and still gives the right to become children of God. If we consider, why, why were the disciples following him? Well, Peter and Thomas, we know that these two were like political radicals. They were convinced that Messiah was going to come. And he was going to incite a revolution. He was going to overthrow Rome. Philip was following Jesus. He wanted to know the Father. He, you can see in verse 8 in that text that you have open, he says, can, can you show me the Father now? And Jesus is let down by Philip saying, you've been following me for three years and you haven't figured out yet that when you see me, no, this is how you see God. 
And then even if you go to the book of Hebrews written later to Jews who were struggling to understand what had happened, here's what it says in, in Hebrews 9 and 12. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves. To get into the, the holy of holies, you would have had to have a sacrifice at the truth, and then you could go in. But Jesus didn't go in by means of blood and goats and calves. He entered the most holy place for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. And there's a large group of people who agree that though there is God, and they like this system, that, that, that God's involved in our world and they want to know God, that there are a group of people that say, yeah, I like God. Mm-hmm. I can buy into church. It's good. But they can't look at Jesus and say, but Jesus, the guy who lived on earth and said, did some claim to have done miracles, was killed, and then some people claim that he resurrected. They can't buy into the fact that he's the only way to God. Mm-hmm. And we, we like the concept of an overarching God that cares about us, that knows us, that loves us. But to say the only way to get there is by confessing that you are with Jesus and align yourself in his death, that's where it becomes difficult for some people. And Jesus makes this statement saying he was the way, the truth, the life, no other way. The pathway that you, any other pathway that you know about how to get to God, it's done with. It's now through me. And he looks at Philip, Philip, don't you get it? To know me is to know God. I'm the only way. And the truth, it can't be about what you've experienced or what people have taught you or where you were born or, or even the things that you feel really, really, really strongly about. This is true. Mm-mm. Whatever I say, I embody truth. I've been there since the beginning. John 1, 1 to 3, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The Word is Jesus in this verse. Through all things, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. He is truth. And the fact that life, in fact, life was found only in following Jesus. Every other path leads to death. And we studied that last week, that that life really, it doesn't have to be about what we experience moment by moment, day by day here. Life is about living for eternity, living beyond what we experience day by day here. But he, he singularly states that it's only through belief and alignment with him that you experience life and truth and your pathway to God. Now, these statements, knowing the context of that, knowing what he's doing, that should make you cringe as a Canadian Christian, or it should make you evaluate what you believe. Because we share a community with wonderful people, with great neighbors and friends. Our kids are on the same teams and clubs, and we have people that are doing their best to serve God and live for eternity. But when we read this, what are we reading? To believe in Jesus is the only pathway to avoid destruction. There is finality and there is exclusivity in what he is teaching. I want you to think for a moment. Why do you follow Jesus? Why, are you, why do you consider following Jesus? There's a group here because your parents did it, and it's been culturally appropriate for you. It's like that was the culture of our family. We, for some people, you say, well, we just believed in Jesus because our family did. Some people may be here because if it fills a need in our life. We, we, we want to find God. It's a good place for our family to be. I like being in community. Some people are like Peter and Thomas. We're here, we're here to take on the world. We're here to do good in this world. There are some people like Philip who you're very interested, but you're still saying, can you show me God now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I've been to church a lot, but can you, can you show me God? And there are many of us that we get a little uncomfortable with the exclusive nature of these statements. Now, the disciples were about to face the greatest crisis of their faith that they would ever encounter. They were going to be out there trying to trust in Jesus, and they were going to be arrested, they would see Jesus arrested. They would see 
that, that Jesus would actually stop them from revolting. Peter was ready. The revolt starts now, and he pulls out his sword, and he, he's, he's, he's ready to take on the soldiers that are arresting Jesus, and Jesus goes, no, it's not about a revolt. Jesus was going to be scandalized. Rumors spread all about him. He was going to be killed. Then the disciples would receive death threats, and he wanted them to say, through all of that, trust that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, guys, when you face hatred, when you face evidence to the contrary that says, I've died, <laughs> you need to believe that following me is the only way to God. People will tell you that you're foolish. People will tell you that you're bigoted. People will tell you that there's no space, that there, there's no way to believe in me. And I need you to believe that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And actually what we see in John 1 and 4, here's what Jesus said, that in him was life, or here's what John wrote about Jesus, in him was life, and that life was for the light of all mankind. And it's this paradox that Christianity is very exclusive, yet completely inclusive. There's, there's no one that the invitation isn't extended to saying, it's for everybody. The light is for all of us, all of humanity, all of mankind. Yet at the same time, he came to people who didn't receive him. I remember um, back in 2003, I went on a mission trip to Tanzania. And we had the opportunity to share the gospel with people that were students on the campus. I remember this one time having a conversation, and this guy was just getting it. You know, we were sharing the gospel with him, and he said, so if I believe in Jesus, I get to go to heaven? And he said, and we said, yeah, that's true. He said, well, what if I don't believe in Jesus? <laughs> and that's the question we don't want to answer. Right, yeah, <laughs> you know, when we love hearing about the good news, right? Good news is that you get to go to heaven. But you, when you think about the, the completeness of that message, there's a, there's a harsh reality to it as well, that if you don't believe that you go to hell. And when you say it as plainly as that, doesn't it make you feel, oh, th there's just something wrong with that? And it should, because my sense is, if that is the truth, then the way that we respond to that is that we don't want people to have to go to hell, that we would be desire for people to be, to be saved and to reach out. And when you think about it, this in our, even in our Canadian context, you were talking about the disciples receiving death threats and you know, people were gonna ridicule them and they would be persecuted. You know, we're fortunate in our Canadian culture that we don't experience stuff like that. At most, we get, you know, snarky comments or we get the cold shoulder if we are trying to share the good news with somebody or, or we get comments about, you know, well, I don't, you know, Christians are this or that and whatever. We didn't face, we don't face a lot of what the disciples in the first century church experienced. Now, when people make create this idea of what a Christian is, they respond in different ways. You know, they would look at us and, and what they think is uh, what it means to be a Christian. They may not come to church because they don't think that uh, who we are as genuine people is all that attractive. Um, you know, the way that people perceive us even on TV. You know, the person that comes to mind, who here watches The Office? Who would ever watch that show, right? Angela was known as the Christian. But when you see her character unfold on that show, it's in, it's ghastly the the light that they portray christians because of how her character plays out so we get this bad image about who christians are uh, and when you think about how that affects our witness when you think about how that affects the way that we want to share this message you know across the world christianity is hated uh, in fact uh, this past year 90,000 christians were killed uh, because of their faith now when you hear when you see what we go through when you experience uh, the looks or the, what people say, when you hear the stats about people dying, 
Well, one response might be, okay, well, let's change the way that we are. Let's <laughs> change the way we live. Maybe our message should change so that we're more inclusive and, and that people will be more accepting of us. Now, logic would say that we should do that. Now, think pragmatically for a moment. Just think logically for a moment. If you think through the message of the gospel and what Jesus is trying to say here about being the way, the truth, and the life, you would think, okay, maybe it doesn't have to be that exclusive. Maybe if people believe in God, and you were saying this earlier, maybe they believe in God, but you know, they try and live a good life, that that should be enough for them to go to heaven. Or maybe a person has never heard about Jesus. What about that person? You know, there are lots of closed countries, and they never get to hear the name of Jesus, and they never get to hear uh, about this gospel message. What about them? You know, if they live a good life, why shouldn't they be able to go to heaven as well? So we, we get presented with these scenarios, and we're thinking, okay, maybe, maybe it's not as clear uh, that it should be just Jesus is the only way and the truth in life. And yet, the Bible says it very clearly. He is the only way. So if that's the truth of the statement, if this is why Jesus said he was this way, then what is our response to this scenario, to this statement and how it plays itself out in real life? Sure. Well, the first response this morning, you may be with us and you're either like Philip and you're saying, I'm here because I'm, I'm kind of curious about God, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, or you may just be here and you're really... You really didn't walk in with any interest, but as we talk about this, there's something that sparks within you. What's the, what's the, appropriate, uh, what's the appropriate response to that? I believe that faith is a journey. I believe that just like we call it a relationship with Jesus because we get to know him. And just like anyone we would get to know, we become more and more comfortable around a person and, and we understand more about that person. But every once in a while, you've got to come to a crisis moment where you make a definition. Remember, like, the first time when you started getting into a relationship and you were dating somebody and you started to have stronger feelings and you're like, I think I might love this person, but if I say it <laughs> and it doesn't come back, it's like, you say the I love you and they look back, that's nice. <laughs> I love you, Rick. <laughs> that is nice. <laughs> it doesn't feel good, right? But you have to come to the decision every once in a while where you define it and you say, I'm in this or I'm not in it, even though it's a journey. And this morning, we want to give you an opportunity for some people to say, I'm defining it. It's me. Uh, I'm ready to say, I'm following Jesus. I haven't been ready to do that before. I've been in a relationship. I've known him. I know about him. I'm having to believe. But we want to pray for you and you just be able to go, I love you. I'm following Jesus. I don't understand it all, but I'm ready to do that. And we want to we wanna pray for you. Here's what it says in Acts 4 and 12. It says that salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And we could walk you through a whole bunch of scriptures this morning, but it's basically this. It doesn't matter what life you've lived. It doesn't matter how much you understand. All that matters is if you would confess that Jesus is Lord, that he's Messiah, that he was God's son, that he was that and that he laid his life down on your behalf because you don't measure up to God you have sin in your life and you accept his death as payment for your sins if you believe that and confess that he says then you're saved <laughs> and then you're following the way the truth and the life and I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads close your eyes and we do this not all that often but because this is a personal moment for some people 
And just as I've been speaking and sharing, I believe that in some people's hearts and in your spirit, you've just believed that this is a moment for you. This is a moment in your, on your journey that's come to a crisis moment where you're saying, yeah, I need to say yes. And if that's you this morning, I'm just going to ask you to quickly slip up your hand. No one's watching around, but we're just going to pray for you. If that's you this morning, just quickly raise up your hand and we'll pray with you and we'll pray and then we'll, and, and then we'll move on. But if, there's, if that's you this morning, we'll just take a moment, just quickly slip up your hand. Anyone else this morning? Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for these individuals this morning who you brought to a crisis moment of faith this morning by your words, not ours. We just speak your words. And uh, we believe that in, that in this moment, Lord, that you're doing something supernatural. And although you've been journeying with them, this is a moment where they can say, yeah, I... I made a crisis decision of faith to go that I'm following you. And God, we thank you for the way that you are, you are speaking and you're leading. And God, I pray that this not be a thing that rests on a Sunday morning and we leave it here, but every day they take steps more and more to get to know what it means to serve you, to follow you, to be involved in community with others that are doing the same thing. God, we thank you for what you've done this morning in their lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. And thank you for that. And we wanted to pause and take that moment. But we believe there's another response this morning, too. That Jesus made this statement, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You know who we made it to? To, to Peter, <laughs> to James and John, to his closest friends who already believed. And he needed them to get the whole picture so that they would live their lives differently. He's saying, guys, you can't go back to living ordinary life. If you know that there's no other way, and there's thousands of people right at your doorstep that need to know the same thing you can't just go back to your life and you can't just let people not know this stuff and it's why he walked them through these all life lessons saying i'm the bread i'm the light i'm the shepherd i'm the resurrection and now i'm the pathway to god and a relationship with jesus should be all consuming it should be all encompassing in our lives in just a few weeks these men and a group of other committed men and women would make a commitment to sharing this hope and that jesus was the true life and that they could only discover it through him, some of them would leave their jobs. They would say, I'm, I'm just going to do this. I'm not going to even work anymore because it's so, they got it in this room. I'm going to go and do that. That's my whole life. Some of them said, I'm still going to work because I, <laughs> I need to pay, but I'm going to host a little church in my home so that other people could come and get to know me. Some of them would go out and just be, as they were walking to work, as they were with their friends and family, they would say, have you heard about this Jesus? Like he died and came back to life and he, he's the pathway to God. Like, there's no other way. It became what drove them. And they recognized that there was a world around him that believed that there were other ways. And they were missing the absolute best thing going because they wanted to please God, but they just didn't know Jesus. They had settled on another way to work out their faith and relationship with God. And every conversation Jesus had about who I am progressively raised the bar and this one, this morning, that we're looking at is about realizing there aren't multiple ways that bring you to the same destination. Mike may have found it in the maze, <laughs> but to God, there's no other way. This is the only way. And Canadian culture says there has to be ways, there has to be a, a room for everybody. And Jesus says, I am the one way. And life is found in me. And this morning, I want us to consider... Our, 
what do we put more value in? Our Canadian culture, our Canadian context, being inclusive, or do we put our value in saying, no, Jesus said, I, I'm not supposed to do it offensively, and I'm not supposed to go and scare people out of hell, <laughs> but I am supposed to go and share the hope and the good news so that people would know that there's only one way. Everything within me, everything Canadian within me wants to respect another's belief, and everything that's Christ in me wants you to know that Christ has died for you and wa- has a plan for you and knows you and wants to get close to you. There's, there's so many things that, that decisions we make every day that back us away from sharing that faith. And the, we're going to take a moment and we're going to um, we're gonna sing this song that Christ, that my hope is built in nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. And I just want you to consider, wh- whether it's in song or whether it's just in a quiet moment of reflection, how much of your life is committed to sharing this news with the people around you that need to hear it? So Lord, we thank you for the challenge to my own heart, the challenge to all of our hearts, that we would go and have intentional conversations with people. Lord, forgive me for the times that I want to be more, I want to be more polite and understanding than I am passionate about letting people know that you love them and you, you want to get to know them just the same way that you, you know me and you, that they're just as much your son or daughter as we, as I am, Lord. I thank you, God, that you've been challenging us through this series and we're getting to know more of who you are. God, continue to challenge our hearts. Continue to challenge our actions and, our, and shape our lives. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to ask you to find your seats uh, one more time. I'm going to invite our ushers to come and we're going to receive an offering this morning. And no pressure to give if you've been visiting with us. We just thank you that you've been here with us. But as we say, we don't refuse money from anyone. So feel free to give if you want as well. And there are offering envelopes down at the information center, or you can give online or debit or credit there as well. Just before you go, I'd like to challenge, you, challenge us all one more, one more time. The next Sunday morning, we're have, we have these pancake breakfasts, and our commitments to our breakfast services is that when we have the discussion around the table, when we shape the service, we make it as, as inclusive enough, and we're, we're going back to the inclusive part, you know, we make it as inclusive enough that anyone that could walk in, they're not going to be asked to answer questions about their faith or what they know about the Bible or do you know who lived the oldest in the Old Testament? We don't ask those questions. We ask, we ask questions about, so from your life, what have you experienced about this? And then we say, well, here's what the Bible says about it. And so then we, we make these very intentional opportunities so somebody that has no faith or very limited interest in faith or somebody that's journeying along the way, it's a great place for them to come and have these kinds of conversations that you may have in your small group, but they're not going to be forced to answer anything about their own faith. So if you know somebody that may be interested in coming, pick up an invitation on, on your way out or you can send it digitally as well through, um, through the website. If you ever have any questions based on what you've heard in one of the services today, you can come and let us know, and we'd be happy to set up a meeting throughout the week, or you can fill out a Connect card, and the Connect cards are at the Information Center, and just leave it at the information table there, and we'll be sure to, to uh, follow up. I'm going to pray for us, and then, and then we'll close. Lord, thank you one more time just for what you've done in our hearts and done in our minds. Thank you for a day that we've been able to get together. And Lord, as we go on our ways, I pray you, you give us... <laughs> You give us opportunities today, before, we, before our day ends, to share our faith, to share our relationship with you, to share what even, our under, even if we don't have a relationship with you, to share our understanding of who you are with somebody else and that they would start to know more that you're the Jesus, that you've made the way for us to come to know God, that you laid down your life 
and, um, and you're leading the way for us to get there. We thank you, Lord, and we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.